You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 26. Uh, this is uh, the story of Jesus being anointed at Bethany. I'm going to be reading verses 6 through 13, and I read from the Good News Translation, which is the same translation as your pew Bible. So if you wanted to follow us on the page 39 of the New Testament, um, as we read this story from Matthew's Gospel. Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon, a man who suffered from a dreaded skin disease or leprosy. While Jesus was eating, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar filled with an expensive perfume, which she poured on his head. The disciples saw this and became angry. Why all this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold for a large amount and the money given to the poor. Jesus knew what they were saying. And so he said to them, why are you bothering this woman? It is a fine and beautiful thing that she has done for me. You will always have poor people with you, but you will not always have me. What she did was pour this perfume on my body to get me ready for burial. Now I assure you that wherever this gospel is preached all over the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Westbrook, Minnesota, and to preside at a wedding at the old Westbrook Evangelical Lutheran Church. It is a gorgeous little rural country church in the middle of, of, of the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Plains, and there are so many different striking, beautiful features about this building. The organ in the church was built in 1970 by the pastor. Abandon any illusion that that will happen here in this church. There's no way. I was meeting with one of the members before the wedding, and he like showed me the back guts of it, and I... No, not happening. But one of the other things that struck me about this building was two of their banners that they had up. And I'm going to put a picture on the screen, but it's also in your bulletin because it's kind of hard to see. But what this is, is a banner of all the 12 apostles that each have their own crest. And they all have symbols on them as a reminder of what their ministry legacy is. You'll see one of the crests has two keys on it. That is for Peter, the leader of the disciples, the one that was given the keys of the kingdom by Jesus. Simon the lesser has a fish on it because he was a fisherman by trade, but also because he was told to fish for people by Jesus. Jude, or Thaddeus, was known as an evangelist that traveled lots of miles for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so he is symbolized at the top left there with a ship. And then next to him, there is one with a chalice and a snake, and that is for John, the beloved disciple, who was a, had an attempted assassination made on his life when he was given a poisoned chalice. And so this is a reminder of our, what, this is a reminder of his ministry. 
All of these symbols define their legacy. This is part of how we, def- how we remember the work of the disciples. But did you notice that there's one on the right-hand side that's just dark and plain? There are no symbols. There is just a name on it. Any guesses as to who that one is? Judas, right? This is Judas Iscariot. There is no symbol to, 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 to honor him by. There's no symbol to remember him by. It is Judas who is the one that held the finances for the disciples. It is Judas that helped himself to those finances. And it is Judas who eventually betrayed Jesus. And so the person that made this banner decided that Judas doesn't even deserve a symbol. He gets to be up there, but he doesn't deserve a symbol. And this is largely how Judas is remembered. And I wonder if interactions like what would happen in our scripture this morning are part of the reason why. Because in our scripture this morning, Jesus is gathered with a whole lot of people in the house of Simon the leper. And if you know anything about leprosy, you would know that in that day and age, leprosy was very, very dangerous because it was very, very contagious. It was also very, very deadly. And so the fact that there are people gathered at Simon's house suggests that something has happened. There's, there's enough there to suggest that this party was happening because Jesus had healed Simon. And Simon, in return, expressed his thankfulness by bringing Jesus and his friends and all of Simon's friends together for this party. Or maybe because, as a leper, Simon would have had to live off by himself for so very long, this party is a symbol of his acceptance back into society. But all of a sudden, this party becomes so much more than just Simon's party. This becomes about Jesus. Because into the midst of this celebratory atmosphere, a woman enters their gathering and breaks an alabaster jar and begins to anoint Jesus with this very expensive perfume. If you were with us last week, you might remember that we talked about the power of small, seemingly unimportant decisions that change the trajectory of people's lives. And I want you to know that her decision in this story is not one of those. This is a big decision. This is a game-changing decision. This is a world-shifting decision. But the woman makes this decision to show her love, to show her devotion for a reason that is unknown to us, but it is obviously significant. Because she takes this jar of expensive perfume and she doesn't just use a few drops, she breaks the jar. She makes a decision to give devotion to Jesus and this is a decision from which there is no turning back. She breaks the jar. And I want you to know that in that day and age, it was common for women to keep some kind of container of perfume on their person at all times. 
but intentionally breaking it was not what we were supposed to do. In that day and age, it was not unheard of for someone to use a few drops of perfume at the start of a meal to enhance the aroma and build an ambiance. But she used all of it, and that's different. And even if a lot of perfume was going to be used, they would use something like um, frankincense or myrrh. They would use something a little bit cheaper. But in John's telling and in Mark's telling of this same story, we learn that this woman is using pure Eastern Indian nard. It's very rare. It's very expensive. And she uses all that she has. To put this extravagance in perspective, let us hear these words from William Barclay in his commentary on the, on the Gospel of Matthew. He writes that this vial of perfume represented nearly a whole year's wages for a working person. Or think of it this way, he writes, When Jesus and his disciples were discussing how the multitude were to be fed, Philip the disciple answers that it would take 200 denarii, and that would only scarcely enough feed everybody that was there. This vial of perfume was so expensive. This vial of perfume, therefore, cost as much as it would take to feed a crowd of 5,000 people. This, my friends, is an extravagant response. An extravagant response born out of an extravagant love. And we don't even know what Jesus did. We don't know what Jesus did that made that big of a difference in the life of this woman or her family, but it is clear that she will stop at nothing to return thanks. And she will hold back nothing in her expression of gratitude for the life and ministry and impact of Jesus while Jesus is still there. Because remember, this story is all wrapped up in Jesus moving to the cross and dying for our sins. While Jesus is still there, she makes the decision to show her devotion, to return thankfulness. She takes the opportunity to publicly and unmistakably proclaim her love for Jesus Christ. And the disciples, they react horribly. The disciples are flabbergasted by what's happening around them. And in Matthew's version, we don't know which disciple spoke up. We don't know which disciple gave voice to their frustrations and hesitations. But John's gospel doesn't have any need to mince words. We know who said what. It was Judas. It was Judas who spoke up. In the moment when this woman is doing this incredible deed, when she's making this over-the-top display of gratitude for the impact of Jesus on her life, it is Jesus, or it is Judas, rather. It is Judas who calls her out. It is Judas who speaks up. It is Judas who rebukes her. And while history has been unkind to Judas for all kinds of legitimate reasons, 
let us not miss the collective disdain that the disciples have. Judas is merely, thinking, is merely saying what they're all thinking. No matter who it is that spoke up, the disciples believe that what this woman is doing is wrong and wasteful and inappropriate. But then Jesus speaks up. Jesus flips this entire encounter on its head by reframing what's going on. Jesus corrects the disciples. Jesus tells them that what she is doing is right and necessary because of his impending death. And he goes on to say that this woman will be remembered for all the right reasons because when she had the opportunity to praise Jesus with her resources, she did it. And more than that, Jesus says to the disciples and all gathered there, I assure you that wherever this gospel is preached all over the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And here we are, preaching the gospel and telling this woman's story. This is her enduring legacy. This woman knew that Jesus was worth more than the alabaster jar. This woman knew that Jesus was worth more than the jar's precious contents. When she had the opportunity to make her devotion to Jesus known, she stopped at nothing. And it was over the top. And it was extravagant. And it was excessive. But none of those things make it bad or wrong. This is her legacy. As for Judas, this is the start of a part of his enduring legacy. This is the start of a downward spiral from which he would never recover. Because if we were going to continue reading in Matthew's gospel, we would follow Judas from the party at Simon's house to the place where the chief priests were gathered, and we would hear Judas barter for Jesus. What will you give me if I betray Jesus to you, he asks. The chief priests name their price at 30 pieces of silver, and Judas' legacy is secured. This is how he is remembered. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed, he is remembered, but not for the right reasons. I find it striking and a little bit ironic that he makes the banner of disciples, but not her. My friends in Christ, how is it that you will be remembered? How is it that you will be remembered? What decisions are you making today, whether they are small or large, whether they are earth-shifting or not? What decisions are you making that will testify to your love and devotion to Jesus Christ?
Because the fact of the matter is, is that your legacy is not done. No matter how it is that you've come here today, there is no downward spiral from which you cannot recover, and there is no one good deed that is just defining of your entire life. Your legacy is not done. We're not done making the banner. And we haven't hung it up yet. What will your legacy be? But let me caution you with this. Do not wait until your life is done to start making these decisions. It was important that the woman made the decisions when she did because Jesus was not going to be there for very much longer. And so may we take advantage of the opportunities that life presents us. May we be inspired by this nameless woman who held nothing back and gave all she had in devotion to Jesus. May we never be restrained in our own devotion and may we give of our time, talent, and treasure with reckless abandon. May we give all we have in honor of a God who gave everything for us. Let this be our legacy. This is a legacy worth building. This is how we want to be remembered. Would you pray with me? Risen and reigning Christ, our ultimate example and our ultimate guide. Give us the courage of our convictions in the same way that you gave that to this woman and let us build a legacy that points to our generosity, that points to our devotion for you and our desire to make your name known. Guide us, inspire us, challenge us, stretch us that we may live a life that points people to you so that all may come to know your love and care in this place and beyond. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.